But if we could, uh, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling uh, this evening, if we could turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read, the book of Psalms and Psalm 62. Psalm 62, uh, we're going to look at the whole psalm. But if we just read again, and verses 1 and 2 and then verses 5 and 6, and you'll notice that they're the same. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. In verse 5, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. I don't know about you, but I love listening to testimonies. I love hearing people telling about how they have come to know the Lord. And I'm so thankful that we've been able to continue our monthly testimony evening on Zoom, although we we used to meet in the church hall once a month, but we've had this great provision of meeting different ministers and this great privilege of meeting lots of ministers and missionaries from all over our country and even beyond. And I'm looking forward to even our next testimony evening, which is on the first Sunday of the month, where God willing will have the Reverend Paul Clark, uh, who's the minister at St. Andrew's Free Church, and he's going to be sharing his testimony. And like you, I, I love listening to the testimonies of other Christians, and I love hearing them share from their own experience and learning about how they came to know and love Jesus as their Savior. And I love knowing what what brought them to that point in their life, and even how they felt and what they were going through at the time, and what they did in seeking the Lord and asking Him to become their Savior. But as you know, a testimony, it doesn't end at conversion. It doesn't even end when we profess our faith in Jesus Christ, because a testimony is ongoing. A testimony is daily. A testimony is lifelong. Because as Christians, we're always testifying. We're always testifying to the grace of God at work in our lives, and we're also testifying to our walk with the Lord every day. And you know, it's good to tell your testimony. It's good to share about how the Lord has worked in your life. It's good to testify of what Jesus has done in your experience. Because as Paul tells us, he says that we're to believe in our heart, and we're to confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Peter, the apostle Peter, he also reminds us that we're always to be ready to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that is within us. Because a testimony, it's not just about glorifying what we did in the past. A a testimony is about glorifying God in the present. Yes, it's good to tell people what we were saved from, but it's always better, is it not, to point people to the one who saved us from it. And that's what David does here in Psalm 62. Because David, he points us to Jesus. David points us to Jesus. And you know, who better for us to be pointed to this evening than to Jesus? Because in Psalm 62, David, he tells his testimony. And he explains how the Lord has worked in his life. He confesses what the Lord did for him in the past, 
And he also confesses what the Lord means to him in the future, and also what the Lord, what he hopes the Lord will do for him in the future, what he means to him in the present, and what he will do for him in the future. And you know what David actually says to us in this psalm, as it is in the Psalter, he says, He only my salvation is, and my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defense. I shall not moved be. What David says is, He only. He only. That's what David testifies in Psalm 62. And that's the the confession of the Christian. He only. He only. And what David says for us in Psalm 62, he says, Jesus is my only remedy. Jesus is my only redeemer. And Jesus is my only reason. That's what he says. Jesus is my only remedy. Jesus is my only redeemer. And Jesus is my only reason. So, Jesus is my only remedy, redeemer, and reason. So, first of all, Jesus, he says, Jesus is my only remedy. He's my only remedy. Look at verse 1. He says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And you know, I love the way that David opens his testimony. That's the way, I love how he begins his testimony because he openly and he honestly confesses that God's gracious work of salvation in his life, it has taken place in his heart and life, not because he was born with it and not because He inherited it from his parents. It's not because he received it at baptism or learned it in Sunday school or worked for it by being a good person living in a community. No, David testifies from the very outset of Psalm 62. He's telling us that his, his salvation has been achieved, accomplished, and applied by God's grace and God's grace alone. That's how he begins. He begins with the words, God alone. God alone. You know, you could go as far as to say that David is reformed in his understanding of salvation. Because you remember that the foundation principles of the Reformation, they were that, and they still are, that hell-deserving sinners like you and I were saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone to the glory of God alone. And that's what David testifies. He says, God alone. He only. He only. That's how he begins. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. But, you know, we have to be clear because when David confesses at the end of verse 2, when he says that he will not be greatly moved or greatly shaken, he doesn't mean that now as a Christian, everything in his life is prosperous and perfect and plain sailing. Not at all. Because if we know anything about David, we know that David's life was far from prosperous, perfect, and plain sailing. Because even though David was said to be the man after God's own heart, yet we read 
in the account of his life that his heart was still deceitful and on occasion desperately wicked. And we know the history of David's life, of how how the Lord graciously exalted him from being a shepherd boy in the field to being a soldier on the front line to also being the sovereign over Israel. And as the king in Israel, David had brought peace and protection from all the surrounding nations. He had claimed Jerusalem as the capital city. He had commanded the tabernacle to be erected in Jerusalem. And he also committed to making preparations for the temple to be built. But as you know, David's life has always been overshadowed by his lust of Bathsheba, his lies about adultery, and also his murder of Uriah. David's life was always overshadowed by his many wives and his many family problems and his wayward and warring children. And yet, you know, the wonder of this psalm is that despite all that David was and all that David did, despite his lies and his lust, despite his sins and his sorrows, despite his faintings and his failings, despite his wandering and his waywardness, despite his backsliding and his brokenness, despite his many mistakes and even his messy murder of Uriah, despite running from Absalom and his ruin in adultery, despite all these things, David's confession remained the same. Jesus is my only remedy. Jesus is my only remedy. He only. That's what he says. He only. And what we see is that David's confession, it remained the same even in the face of opposition. Because we read in verses 3 and 4 that there were those in David's community who questioned and maybe even queried David's confession. Because as they considered David's Christian character, his conduct, and his conversation, they probably said that he was someone who was weak and woolly. They thought that he was confused and contradictory as a Christian. They thought that he didn't have a firm foundation in his Christianity. To the point that the community confesses about David's confession, they say that his Christianity is like a leaning wall ready to collapse, or like a tottering fence that would just fall over with the slightest push. It's as if some in the community were confessing about David's Christian character, conduct, and conversation, and saying, well, David, you're double-minded. You're unstable in all your ways. You're inconsistent. You're insincere. The way you're living your life, you're a two-faced hypocrite. And you know, my friend, the community, they were confessing about David's Christianity and almost saying to him, well, if that's what a Christian is, and if that's what a Christian does, I don't want anything to do with them. And you know, we've heard that before, haven't we? We've heard people saying that before. We've heard people in in the community confessing about the Christian that they want nothing to do with the church because it's full of liars and gossips and hypocrites. And you know, well, I would tend to agree with them. I would tend to agree with them because the church is full of liars and gossips and hypocrites. The church is full of people who are inconsistent and insincere. The church is full of people who are double-minded and unstable. 
The church is full of people who are lazy and lukewarm in their Christianity. The church is full of people who are struggling with sin and sickness and suffering and Satan and sorrow. But my friend, what makes the church of Jesus Christ so beautiful? And this is the point. What makes the church of Jesus Christ so beautiful is that despite who we are and what we have done, despite all our fainting and our failing, despite the mistakes and the mess, despite the ruin that we make for ourselves, our confession remains the same. Jesus is my only remedy. Jesus is my only remedy. And yes, we get it wrong. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we, we cause chaos sometimes in our, in our Christian confession. But you know, our confession remains the same. Jesus is my only remedy. Jesus is my only remedy. That's the Christian's confession. I can't do it on my own. I haven't got it all together. I'm not perfect. I'm not strong in myself. I don't know it all. I faint and fail. I make mistakes. And sometimes my life is a mess. But the one thing I do know is that Jesus is my only remedy. Jesus is my only remedy. That's what he says here. He only. He only. You know, it was once said that the church is not a museum of good people. It is a hospital for the broken. The church is not a museum of good people. You know, some people have the idea that when you become a Christian, you're all of a sudden perfect. But the church is not a museum of good people. No, it's a hospital for the broken. And it's so true because we're all broken people. We're broken people living broken lives in a broken world. But David is reminding and reassuring us this evening that despite who we are and what we are, our testimony tonight, our confession of the Christian is that Jesus, Jesus is my only remedy. Jesus is my only remedy. But then secondly, David confesses He says that Jesus is my only redeemer. So Jesus is my only remedy. And then he says, Jesus is my only redeemer. Jesus is my only redeemer. Look at verse 5. He says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Now, we know that Psalm 62 is David's personal testimony because, as we said, verses 1 and 2 and then verses 5 and 6, there, it's just repetition. David is, is repeating himself. He's emphasizing that this is his testimony. He says in verse 1, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. Then verse 5, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. So we know it's David's testimony. But more than that, we know that Psalm 62 is all about David's personal experience. It's his personal experience with the Lord because, and we know this because of the the repetition 
of the personal pronoun, my. He says, my soul, my rock, my salvation, my refuge, my glory, my fortress. And you know, what's so beautiful is who David is calling and claiming and confessing as his personal Savior. Because in Psalm 62, David reveals to us the anatomy of his soul. He's telling us what's going on inside, something that nobody else knows about. And he says, my soul is full and overflowing with Jesus. You know what a testimony. My soul is full and overflowing with Jesus. He says, Jesus is resident in my soul. He's abiding in my soul. He's the redeemer of my soul. Jesus is my personal savior. And as you know, my friend, and there's no denying it, that seeking the Lord and talking about salvation, that's a very personal and very private thing. Most people don't want to talk about these things, especially men. But you know, when the Lord is working in your heart and in your life, he speaks to us personally, doesn't he? He speaks to us personally. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through preaching when we're sitting in church or at home listening to sermons. He speaks to us through providence, things that takes place, take place in our lives. He speaks to us through painful experiences in our experience. He speaks to us through testimonies, the testimony of, of other Christians. But when the Lord speaks to you, he speaks to you personally. And he speaks to you almost privately. Nobody else knows what's going on. Someone sitting next to you, they might hear the same sermon or the same message or the same testimony, and yet they're not affected by it at all. But when the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart and in your life, and I always go back to this catechism, effectual calling, where we are reminded there that the Spirit is one who convinces us of our sin and misery. He enlightens our mind in the knowledge of Christ. He, he renews our will and he persuades us and enables us to embrace Jesus as he's offered to us in the gospel. It's a personal work. It's a private work of the soul because salvation and seeking the Lord is a very personal and a very private thing. And at first, when the Lord is working in our heart and when the Lord is drawing us and when we have an interest and when that interest is growing and we have a desire to be in church and around the Lord's people, we don't want anyone else to know what's going on in our heart and soul or even in our mind. We don't want to divulge and disclose even to those closest to us, those whom we live with, those whom we might even share a bed with, and yet we don't want to tell them what's going on inside us. We don't want to tell them that we love the Lord. But my friend, there always comes a point, doesn't there? There always comes a point in our experience where we can't hide it any longer. We can't hide our love for Jesus anymore. We can't go on being a secret disciple and keeping that salvation that's so precious to us to ourselves. We can't keep it to ourselves anymore. Because as you know, the Lord calls us to believe in our heart and to confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Therefore, we too have to make that what is a public profession of faith and we have to say with David, as he says here in his testimony, Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my rock. 
Jesus is my salvation. Jesus is my glory. Jesus is my mighty rock. Jesus is my refuge. Jesus is my only redeemer. Jesus is my everything. He's my all in all, and he is mine. And the wonder of wonders is, I am his. He is mine, and I am his. And you know, what a testimony. What a testimony. You know, is that your testimony tonight? Is that, is that your confession of faith? Jesus is my only redeemer. Are you not saying with the psalmist, he only my salvation is, and my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defense. I shall not moved be. He only. He only. You know, it was when seeking to draw out a confession and even a profession of Christ that the hymn writer asked the question. He asked the question, will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor hold or or drift or firm remain? And the response was the confession of the Christian church. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And you know, that's what David is testifying here. He's testifying that his salvation is grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. He is fastened to the rock which cannot move. He says, Jesus is my only Redeemer. He's the rock of my salvation. And that's the emphasis in the psalm, because on three occasions in this psalm, David says about Jesus, he says that he is his rock, or he is his mighty rock. And you know, this metaphor of the Lord or Jesus as the rock, it's quite common throughout the Psalms. We see it time and time again. In Psalm 18, the Psalm preaches and he he proclaims that the Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, let the God of my salvation be exalted. In Psalm 92, The psalmist confesses that his purpose in life, his chief end, he says, is to show that upright is the Lord. He is a rock to me, and he from all unrighteousness is altogether free. That's how he concludes Psalm 92. Psalm 95, the psalmist, he exhorts us and he encourages us by saying, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Come, let us everyone, a joyful noise, make to the rock of our salvation. In Psalm 40, a well-known psalm, David testifies about Jesus. He took me from a fearful pit and from the miry clay and on a rock he set my feet, establishing my way. And again, even in the previous psalm to this one, Psalm 61, David confesses that Jesus is my only redeemer. Jesus is the rock of my salvation. David says in Psalm 61, he says, O God, give ear unto my cry, unto my prayer attend. From the utmost corner of the land, my cry to thee I'll send. What time my heart is overwhelmed, and in perplexity do thou me lead unto the rock that higher is than I. 
And you know, my friend, David's confession, it's the confession of the Christian, is it not? Because he says, Jesus is my only redeemer. He's the rock of my salvation. He is the one who is sure and steadfast. He is stable. He is secure. He's the rock of my salvation. And as the rock of my salvation, he is immovable. He is immeasurable. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. He is, as he promises to be, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same yesterday, today, and forever. But you know, David's confession here, where he says, Jesus is my only Redeemer. He's the rock of my salvation. You know, this confession is the same confession as the Apostle Peter. They're confessing the same Christ. Because you remember when Jesus, he asked his disciples that question, who do people say that I am? And the disciples said to Jesus, well, some say that you're John the Baptist and you're raised from the dead. And others say that you're Elijah and you've come back from heaven. And others think, well, you're just one of the prophets, just one amongst all the other prophets. But you remember how Jesus, he then turned the whole question on its head. And he made it very pointed and very personal. And he asked the disciples, he said, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And it's at that point that Peter steps forward, makes the confession of the Christian and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's the same testimony as David here. But you remember when Peter said those words, Jesus affirmed Peter's confession of faith by saying to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, we have to be clear that the rock upon which Jesus was going to build his church was not the apostle Peter. As you know, the Roman Catholic Church, they have claimed and confessed for centuries that the rock upon which the church of Jesus Christ would be built was literally the apostle Peter. And that's why the Vatican in Rome, which is the epicenter of the Roman Catholic Church, it's said to be literally built upon the tomb of the apostle Peter. They're building upon Peter. But the thing is, my friend, Peter wasn't the rock upon which the church of Jesus Christ was to be built. Yes, Peter would certainly be influential in the early church. He would certainly be a power for good in the early church when he preached the gospel. He would help build the church of Jesus Christ in the first century. But he wasn't the rock. He wasn't the foundation of the church of Jesus Christ. No, the rock was Peter's confession of faith. The rock was Peter's testimony. The rock was Peter's confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. That was Peter's confession. Jesus is my only Redeemer. The rock was Peter's confession. Jesus is the rock of my salvation. The rock upon which the, G the church of Jesus Christ would be built 
would be the confession of the Christian, the testimony of the Lord's people. And it would be upon that confession and that testimony that the church would be built and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And you know, my friend, that has been the testimony of the church, has it not? That through the confession of the Christian, through the testimony, as Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, or through the testimony of, of David here, saying, He alone is my rock and my salvation. That confession is what has allowed the church of Jesus Christ to grow and the gospel to spread and the name of Jesus to be exalted and sinners to be saved. That confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you know, Jesus, he still asks us, does he not, to keep confessing because he's still asking us tonight, who do you say that I am? And we're to keep confessing the confession of the Christian. And, you know, that has been the testimony of the church down throughout the ages, despite all the conflict, despite all the criticism, despite all the the condemnation of the world. Jesus has continued to build his church upon the confession of the Christian. He only my salvation is, and my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defense. I shall not move be. He only. That's how the church grows. It doesn't grow in any other way. But by the confession of the Lord's people, He only. He only. My friend, David is reminding us and reassuring us this evening that the confession of the Christian is that Jesus is my only remedy. Jesus is my only redeemer. And then lastly, He says, Jesus is my only reason. Jesus is my only reason. Look at verse 8. He says, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are altogether lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. What we see in these verses is that having told his testimony, And having given the confession of the Christian in the opening verses of this psalm, David now explains why. David explains why he told his testimony. He explains why he has given the confession of the Christian. He explains why he has believed in his heart and confessed with his mouth. He explains why he has given an answer for the reason, for the hope that is within him. Because he says in verse 8, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And you know, by testifying in the opening of the psalm that Jesus is my only remedy and Jesus is my only redeemer, David now says, Jesus is my only reason for sharing my story. 
Jesus is my only reason for sharing my story. He's saying to us, were it not for him, were it not for his grace and his love and his mercy, I would have no story to share. I would have no testimony to tell. I would have no confession to confess. But David says the reason he shares his story in Psalm 62 is so that other people, other people will respond to what they hear and put their trust in this same Jesus. And of course, David, he's speaking to those who were living around him at the time. He's speaking to those living in his own community. Maybe even those who questioned and queried his Christian character, conduct, and conversation. Those whom we saw in verses 3 and 4. And yet David's longing is that those in his community, his longing is that they will claim Jesus as their only remedy. His longing is that those in his community will confess Jesus as their only redeemer. His longing is that those in his community will cling to the rock of salvation. And my friend, David's longing for his community. Should that not be our longing for our community? David's longing that he had for his community, where he says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. You know, he spoke to the people in his community about his salvation because he longed for them to know this Jesus. And, you know, should that not be the same in our, own, in our own experience, in our own community? Our longing for our community, that those in our congregation and those in our community will have this same confession of the Christian and that they will say about Jesus, He only my salvation is and my strong rock is He. He only is my sure defense. I shall not moved be. Our longing should be that others around us will say, he only. He only. But you know, having testified and confessed that Jesus is my only remedy and my, my only redeemer, you know, David says, well, when I read this anyway, I hear David saying to his unconverted friends, Jesus is my only reason for wanting to ask you, where is your heart in relation to Jesus? Where is your heart in relation to Jesus? And you know, his plea is very powerful because he goes on to say, he says, don't trust in what's temporal. Don't trust in what's transient. Don't trust in what's passing. Don't set your heart on these things. Don't cling to them, he says. Why? Well, he says, your life is but a breath. It's a vapor. It's a tale that is told. It passes in a moment, in the blink of an eye. And your riches, he says, your riches and your wealth, they're just a delusion. You can't take it with you, he says. You leave it all behind. And you know, with all that's taken place in our community over the past number of days, surely we don't need to be reminded that life is uncertain, that death is sure, that sin is the cause, and that Christ is the cure. 
surely we don't need to be reminded. The voice of death, surely it's loud enough to wake us up and make us realize that this is solemn, this is serious, that we need to do business with God and stop putting it off. We need to make this confession our confession. We need to to say with David that he is my rock and my salvation. And, you know, even the way that David concludes this psalm, you know, it makes me think that if David was preaching in this pulpit tonight, wouldn't that be amazing? But if he was preaching in this pulpit tonight, he'd probably say, my unconverted friend, Jesus is my only, only reason for sharing my story. Jesus is my only reason for telling my testimony. Jesus is my only reason for confessing the confession of the Christian. Jesus is my only remedy. He's my only redeemer. But what about you? What about you? Where is your heart in relation to Jesus? Because as David says, towards the end of the psalm, verse 11, he says, there's no doubt that God has spoken. He's spoken once. He's spoken twice, he says. He's spoken to you many times. He's spoken to you through his word through preachers, through people, through providence, through painful experiences. God has spoken to you. But how do we respond to what God is saying? Where is your heart in relation to Jesus? Is is Jesus your only remedy? Is Jesus your only redeemer? And you know, my unconverted friend, you make sure that before you leave this world, you make sure that before death calls and judgment comes, that this is your testimony, that you have the confession of the Christian because nothing else will matter. Nothing else will matter once you cross the threshold into eternity. You will leave everything else behind. You make sure that you can say with David, Jesus is my hope. He's my rock. He's my salvation. He's my glory. He's my mighty rock. He's my refuge. He's my redeemer. He's my remedy. He's my everything. He's my all in all. I am his, and he is mine. You make sure that you can say with David, he only my salvation is, and my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defense. Much moved I shall not be. He only. That's our confession tonight. But is that your confession? He only. He only. Well, may the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to Thee that that we have a story to tell at all, that it is a wonder of grace and of salvation, and that it is all of grace. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. And Lord, help our boast, if there is one at all, to be our boast in the Lord, to realize that He is the one who begins that good work. 
He is the one who brings it to completion. He is the one who brings us to that point where we are saying with David that he only, he only my salvation is and my strong rock is he. O Lord, help us as thy people to keep testifying the testimony of the Christian, to keep confessing the confession of the Christian, to keep sharing and letting our light so shine before men that they may see our good work and glorify God in heaven. Lord, bless us, we pray. Watch over us in the week that lies ahead, a week that is unknown to any of us, but known only to thee. And help us to leave this place, saying not only that it was good for us to be here, but to keep confessing, he only. Oh, he only. Keep us then, we pray. Go before us, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We'll bring our service to a conclusion this evening by singing again in that psalm, Psalm 62. Psalm 62, page 294 in the Scottish Psalter. And we're singing from verse 5 down to the verse marked 8. Psalm 62 from verse 5. My soul wait thou with patience upon thy God alone. On him dependeth all my hope and expectation. He only my salvation is, and my strong rock is he. He only is my sure defense. I shall not moved be. In God my glory placed is, and my salvation sure. In God the rock is of my strength, my refuge most secure. Ye people, place your confidence in him continually. Before him pour ye out your heart. God is our refuge high. These verses of Psalm 62. To God's praise. My
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.